0: we Welcome to the we Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgiev, class of 2022. Today, I catch up with Carissa Allen, formerly Adamson from the class of 2005, Senior Communication Manager at the Aspen Group. Carissa will share with us how a pivot from pre-dental studies at the University of Iowa into communication set her on a path to become a communication guru for some of the biggest global brands based in Chicago, like Walgreens and McDonald's. Okay, joining us today is Carissa Allen, formerly Adamson. Carissa, can you tell us what you do? Hi, yeah,
1: oh my gosh, Adamson also seems like a throwback. (laughs) So... I am a self-proclaimed communications guru, so um, I work in corporate communication.
0: So, Chris, walk me back to the start of this journey. When you left Wego, you went to the University of Iowa. Did you know that you had a kind of a, a, a mind for all things communication? What was the, what was your, how did your path start?
1: Yeah. So first of all, go guys. Huge fan of the University of Iowa. So I did not. I actually entered school as a pre-dental major. I thought like traditional path. I wanted to be a dentist. We had a family friend who was a dentist. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And I quickly learned my freshman year through some science courses that that was not my path. And so then I was like, maybe I will become a nurse. I don't know why. I just sort of thought that these were the paths that you had to take. Um, Then I learned I did not want to be a nurse as well. And so in talking to my guidance counselor, she had sort of recommended communication studies as just a way to sort of understand what might even be available without being a business major. You can kind of go a couple different ways. So I think it was after my first semester, I had switched over to a comms major and started getting into courses that focused on interpersonal communications and media and things like that. And so that's where I sort of learned like what that major was. And that's what drew me into it. I did not know that's what I wanted to do. (laughs)
0: What was the kind of click in your mind with some of those early classes where you're like, oh yeah, I, I think I, I think I chose wisely here. Do you remember like, what was it that kind of like, you said you were drawn into it. What, what was it that ultimately kind of made you like think that this is, I, I'm home. This is where I need to be.
1: Yeah. I think it's because it was all about people. I consider myself a people person. I can make friends very easily. I just really enjoyed being around people and understanding what is important to them is really I think what drew me in initially and just building relationships and it's all about building culture and just like what do people want out of where they work is sort of what drew me in. I didn't really know corporate communications was a thing but it was really all about people and relationship building and I thought like that came very easy. To me, and just wanting to understand that, so that's kind of what drew me in.
0: So, what were some of your early uh, classes like? Because it, it seems like that that they really were. There's something kind of architectural about the way in which you kind of position people to create those effective cultures and all of that. What were some of the early? What was your early coursework like?
1: Yeah. And so it's funny, I actually went to the University of Iowa website because I was like, I do not remember the courses, which I don't know what that (laughs) says about me, but I couldn't remember what they were. But then once I saw the list of them, I was like, oh, yes, does So one was definitely interpersonal communication. So just like picking up on context context clues, how people interact with one another. And then the other one, which I thought was kind of funny, because I believe one of the courses I took with you was media studies or something like that and there was a course called media and society that I took and when I started to rack my brain of what that was about it it's really interesting because when I first started cultures like right when Facebook came out so there wasn't a lot of understanding and research and knowledge of of social media but it was more focused on just media and society and the things that have occurred throughout history that have change society, really. And so that was probably the most interesting course, because I feel like it just spoke to real life and sort of the role that communications as a whole plays into society, media related or
0: not. Uh, that, that I mean, yeah, you I mean, you were right there as it was getting rolled out. Uh, yeah, the, so, friend. I mean, you were I mean, just wanted to you were at you were the mark in terms of the age Social media yes. was blowing up, and you were clearly the target audience at that age. <laughs> Amazing. Do you have like internships that you then kind of um, get involved with while you were at University of Iowa?
1: So I didn't have any internships. With, with hindsight, I wish I I did. I just didn't know enough at the time. Um, but I was in a group. So at the time, it was called Students and Free Enterprise, which I believe now it's called enactus and it was really mostly business students but one of my roommates was in it so i was like yeah sure like i'll i'll give it a try and if you look into it it's really about um enabling students to solve like real world problems they do different conferences and things like that and at least at the university of iowa it was just people coming together we would do different competitions and things like that to solve real world problems whether they were environmental or social there were kind of these challenges to think of like how could we how could we solve this and then talk to other students about like what they were thinking? So really it was just about problem solving and just thinking through like how we could make a difference.
0: I mean that sounds like such a, a natural space to do all the things that you're talking about building community and what a great kind of association that you were able to kind of kind of really thread the needle on being able to apply your, your studies but do this thing that also creates such a, a nice network of other students at the same time um okay. to, yeah you tell me more about like you know i think sometimes students might like to know what it's like going to a, a big 10 school like iowa i mean i know we have a, a few uh hawkeyes uh that Uh, that our faculty here would love hearing uh, you celebrate that as well. But what's it like going to a Big Ten school and specifically Iowa? Why did you like it?
1: Yeah, so for me, at least when I graduated, everybody was kind of going to Illinois schools. And it was my way of sort of branching out. I wanted to go do something different, meet new people. And so it was kind of It was a Big Ten school, but it's also not the biggest Big Ten school. Um, I had found some other universities to be a little bit overwhelming in terms of population size. But I I loved the campus. I loved the programming. It was like the perfect blend of big, you know, kind of middle of nowhere campus, like true college experience without being like so big where you feel like you have to be a part of the Greek life because that was also something I just Wasn't interested in no knock on it, but it wasn't for me. And so I just felt like I had a lot of options ahead of me. They had a ton of intramural programs, which was also important to me. I played soccer in high school, and I just wanted to continue to do that. So it kind of gave me everything I wanted without being overwhelming Um, and had great programs. Like I said, I entered as a dental student, which Iowa has a great dental program, Um, but also really, really big on creative writing program, too. So if you're planning on going beyond just undergrad have a great um, master's writing program.
0: get put on the map, correct?
1: Oh, no idea. Honestly, no clue.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm 99% sure it was Monica. So, uh, but yes, I've heard uh, amazing, but both my uh, uh, family that went to um, uh, Iowa uh, in nursing program, botany, and then also I think uh, in English as well. So they absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah. And, and the the old principal when I was there actually went to Iowa too. So was it John Highland? I believe. Yeah,
0: yeah, probably, yeah, for sure. So, um, okay, so you you graduated from University of Iowa. What was your first uh, job, and how did you uh, how did you land it?
1: Oh man, so I believe it was Jeff mentioned on a previous podcast. We graduated a really tough time, which was two thousand and nine, and so mm-hmm. jobs were were very scarce. Um, so honestly, I took anything I could. Um, I had a family friend who worked at almost like a a headhunter talent placement place, if you will. And so my first job was at Navistar, which is a trucking company. And I found myself in the titles department just to have a job, really, just to get myself into the working world. But that actually is what introduced me into what corporate communications was. I kind of looked at job titles in the directory to see who worked at Navistar and I had found somebody in communications and that's where I started to really understand what she did um, and just kind of built that relationship. So my job had nothing to do with what I wanted to do, but it opened the door to understanding like, what does communications look like at, you know, a large corporation?
0: What were some of the, like the the type of projects that you, that you were able to Get into that allowed you to sharpen the blade in that kind of corporate communications?
1: Yeah, I mean, at Navistar, for me, it was in, in talking with the lead at the time of communication, she did a lot of speech writing and presentation for the CEO. So that's where I started to understand what role executive communications plays in a business and really supporting that C suite of leaders. And so understanding like what the company strategy was and how we start to build a narrative and communications around like what, what we do and how we support people and getting them to understand that.
0: I mean, I, I teach AP language and this is fascinating to me because uh, I'm hearing you talk about exigence, about unique audiences and yes. really, fashioning the language to collapse the, the distance of the communication to make sure that it's everything is very clear with all of that um when did you when did you get a sense that you were really finding your strut and your aptitude uh, with this where it started becoming like not only was it easy but enjoyable Yeah.
1: So I think for me, it was when I joined Walgreens. So after Navistar, I left and went to Walgreens, again, kind of took an entry level role, but it got me into, it got me into a bigger brand and a place where there was more opportunity for me. And so I I started in sort of operational communication. So just like really understanding the business and giving our frontline team members what they needed to know to do their job. And then from there, I had gotten a role doing purely executive communication. So that's where I really started to find my strut. I, I learned how the business ran and what the people on the ground needed. And so that sort of gave me the base to then work with leaders, help them identify their voice, knowing what I knew the frontline teams needed and giving them sort of the context of, okay, we're trying to get X done but to your point, like understanding who our audience is and tailoring that message to that audience, making it unique to the leader themselves. So I built great relationships with the leaders I was supporting to also understand, like, what were they trying to achieve at the end of the day? And I absolutely loved that. I got to work some with some amazing leaders and really understand what the business was all about.
0: When you were at Walgreens, so now that when you're really starting to kind of find yourself in this, this role, what were the kind of new types of resources that you had, uh, in terms of, uh, is it like, um, do you go, do you get to kind of travel and go to conferences? And what were the type of other training uh, type of opportunities that you had? And and it could be even material um, that really kind of augmented your path?
1: Yeah. So I think first, in terms of materials, it was, Oh, I would say conferences for sure. Reagan is a big internal communications platform where I got to get my hands on a lot of resources in terms of like what are industry trends, what are platforms that people are using, what kind of unique ways can we look at communications outside of just like traditional writing, if you will. Um, and so we used a couple different platforms internally just to target our different audiences and give platforms that made the most sense for them. Um, In terms of travel, too, like, I I definitely got to travel externally for conferences. There was one in D.C. where I got to hear from um, the speechwriter for Michelle Obama at the time, which was really, really cool. Um, But I did a lot of traveling, too, just with the leaders themselves to build the relationships and to get to know them, which is really key if you're going to write for somebody.
0: How long were you with uh, Walgreens?
1: I was there for seven and a half years.
0: When you, you made the move to go to, to, uh, Did you go to McDonald's next or what was the next uh, move after that?
1: Yes, McDonald's. I went to the Golden Arches.
0: (laughs) What was the, what was the new opportunity there?
1: So there was more of a focused communications role. So instead of supporting just leaders and all of the things that they were working on from an executive perspective, I became more focused on HR and people and culture. So all the things that were going on, I would say like in the people space is what I got to do instead of sort of like being broad stroke communication.
0: You've, you've talked about this idea of, of storytelling. It's it's such a fascinating human need that we have uh, that are, it's almost wired into us paleolithically that we love knowing about other people, imagining the future. I was wondering if you could maybe kind of give us like, like what is your your approach and kind of philosophy of storytelling and, and what's effective for you when you advise um, the creating of narratives in such a way?
1: Yeah, so I kind of think of communications as really like the heartbeat of any company that you're at. Like we get to be the truth tellers, we get to be the voice of the people, like you said, the the storytellers. And it really is our role to elevate the voices of the people that work for a company. I think to your point, like we're all curious about who people are or what they do, but that also makes us feel more connected and have more more purpose in the the role that we do like yes we have to go to work and and make money but we can feel really good about it if we feel more connected to sort of the purpose and the culture of an organization and so for me at least in the roles that I've been able to play I've been able to talk to people that are more customer facing that are sort of representing a brand so if you think about sort of the person behind the cashier at a Walgreens, whether it's on the pharmacy side or the retail side, or talking to the person that you're, you're speaking with at the drive-thru at McDonald's, like part of my roles has been to tell the story of those people, because at the end of the day, that's sort of what we're all doing is we're enabling all of the people that take care of the customers. And so I've always thought about it as like, how do I connect with those that are doing the day to day to get those may be sitting at a corporate office to understand like why we do what we do. And that's taken a lot of different forms of of newsletters and emails. Video, of course, has been a huge one. Um, At Walgreens, I was able to put together a podcast kind of like this. And so it comes through a lot of different forms depending on, on what the objective is, but those are sort of the few ways like I've been able to approach it and really tell the stories of, Of the people.
0: I love that idea that you have so many different mediums by which you try to reflect that storytelling in such a way. Do you have one medium that you see that seems to seize your creativity more than others? Is it video? Is it, you know, the writing or um, uh, podcast? What's what's your favorite part where you kind of like to kind of put your imprint in the production of?
1: Yeah, definitely video. I mean, we, we, I say we, but like the people that I've worked with throughout my career have put together such powerful videos like that, that bring people to tears or like really rally people around a particular moment or project or initiative. And I love video because you get to, it's more authentic. You get to see people, you get to hear the words coming through them. There's, there's a place and time for written for sure. And I feel like that's that's most of it. But like video plays such an important role in, in terms of like moving people to something like emotionally or momentum, excitement, or getting a hard message across. I would say like communications really had an opportunity to shine through COVID and just being able to put together like quick, authentic videos of leaders explaining like What's going on, or sharing the stories of how we made a difference in somebody's life? I think video just can encapsulate so much more.
0: You know, it's it when I was hearing you tell the story just prior to the previous question, it seems like there's such a symbiosis between storytelling and how that really grows the culture of the type of brand or work environment. Uh, And all that. I was wondering if you can kind of like tell me, like, what was your favorite success story or project where you really saw that symbiosis and connection happen where you're like, "Ooh, that all worked together in concert uh, in such a way. Do you remember, like, what was your kind of like aha moment where you're like, I got it that that I just landed. I landed it perfectly there.
1: Oh, man, Um, there's been a lot. Um, I would say one really cool, powerful program that I got to work on where all the pieces are sort of coming together is at McDonald's, we had um, a volunteer program, and this was globally. So it was people across the entire organization in the U.S. and across the globe where um, you, you got to nominate your peers for something that they did in the community. And so we got to talk to people in China, Australia, Poland, the US of really how they took their role, whether it was in a restaurant at at the corporate headquarters and they had taken sort of the values of the company and brought that to the community, whether it was through like an adoption agency that they volunteered at or something like a school in their community it was representing the brand, it was representing themselves. And we got to showcase that on a really big, broad stage at um, what McDonald's calls convention that happens every two years. And it just showed like the amazing people that worked for the company, but also the amazing things they were doing around the world. So that was sort of like full circle, really big platform, Included all of the parts and pieces of communications from storytelling to video to presentation, and so that was a really really cool one to work on.
0: Oh, like everything intersected right there with the way you described that. That was so <laughs> cool. How fun is that? Yeah. So, um, so you're not at McDonald's anymore. You're at the Aspen Group. Uh, what again? What was the draw to to make the leap to that next company?
1: Yeah. So I think for me, historically, I'd been a a part of these really big behemoth brands they're already well established well known and so I was kind of looking for something where I could take all the things that I had learned and all of the amazing sort of you know people that I had met along the way that had gotten me where I was at and and take that and start something new like I was really in the mindset of like I want to be able to build and grow something and see immediate impact and so With the Aspen Group, Aspen Dental, certainly a well-known brand, um, but they had recently sort of taken on this parent company of the Aspen Group to bring in a bunch of different brands from, we have a med spa business, so for the Botox people listening, um, we acquired a vet business last year. Um, We have a dental implant business and then urgent care business. So sort of an opportunity to bring a bunch of parts and pieces Together and and build something new was what really drew me to the Aspen Group.
0: Ah, so you came full circle. You did come back to dental in some capacity. So I
1: know, so.
0: I know. <laughs> Does this job um, involve any like a different type of travel, or is it? Are you still able to kind of? Is there a, a home office where you have to go to?
1: Yep. So it's located um, right in Fulton Market in Chicago. It's honestly blocks away from the McDonald's headquarters, which hmm. is nice. My commute did not change much. Um, but they moved into a bigger building just because we were, were growing. And I think that was another thing that drew me is a, a very like hyper growth business right now. And so um I go in, you know, around three days a week. It's it's a hybrid environment. Um I get to travel depending on on what's going on. So um if it's visiting offices to talk to certain people that are, you know, seeing patients every day, or we have our own internal conventions where we're rallying people. So still a bit of a travel experience there too. Um, just because not everything is located
0: in Illinois. So what's a what's a typical day? Like so how do you how do you kind of manage your workflow? Like uh, do you have Uh, a series of long-term projects, mid and that middle and kind of like this needs to be done within this week, long-term versus the fires that need to be put out uh, immediately. Like, well, how does, how do you like manage your workflow uh, on a typical day?
1: Yeah, it's definitely all of the, all of the above. And I will say in comms, you can't really predict because crisis does happen Hmm. every day, or there's a really good opportunity that you don't want to miss out on. So, for me, at least at the start of the year, we always do some sort of strategic planning to understand like, okay, what is our, what's our mission and our vision for, you know, this year or sort of the next three years and sort of prioritizing what we're doing and building plans against those. So what we want to achieve for the year and knowing we have big moments throughout the year that we support. So for me, I lead, um, our town hall. And so, um, That's something that, you know, I plan for on a quarterly basis. And then there's newsletters that I run. So a lot of it's planned out just knowing where the business is going. But then there's certainly things that pop up throughout where we have to drop everything and support it.
0: I, I like asking kind of a question where students and former students and now pr- uh, professionals, like what was your favorite, like maybe study hack or something like that, that may kind of made you more efficient. And I was wondering, like, you know, what, what's your best work habit to kind of be efficient or productive or creative?
1: Yeah. Oh, um, studying. That's, that's a hard one. I need to be, in a place where I can think and if you can hear my dog right now I, I,
0: <laughs> we love the doggos <laughs> in
1: the background um for me it's making sure I have the space to think so I think especially in communications like there's the time where if I am writing or I'm thinking I need to be in a space to do that so quiet like if I need to be productive from a writing perspective like going into the office is not the best environment for me it's at home, like door closed, like really threw you through that versus if I need to brainstorm, it's being around people having a whiteboard, like I am a whiteboard, queen, where I need to sort of like throw everything on the table, and then organize it. Um, I think the same went for me for studying as well. Like I was a big library person, because there was too many distractions. If I was in my apartment, like I needed to be in the right mindset.
0: So kind of an extended kind of question of that, you know, as a professional, you have to always read and kind of be on the lookout for trends and patterns within your industry. How do you how do you stay sharp uh, to uh, to that end?
1: Yeah, so one is LinkedIn, like I have found to be super helpful in terms of just like free resources that you can find from an industry perspective. Another is benchmarking. I mean, I have the luxury of having friends at a lot of places, um, you know, that have well established brands and they live within communications departments. But I also like reach out to my colleagues and ask them if there's anyone that I can connect with that I might be able to get a different perspective. So just being like a people relationship person, I'm always like seeking out like who could help me either understand from an industry perspective what's going on or just from a different sort of business perspective. Know like, what are you doing that I can learn from? Like, where can I maybe give you information to? Just to, you got to get out of your world every once in a while mm. because we get so like in the day-to-day, just like talking to people outside of it, I find really helpful.
0: I always love the idea of, metaphor in language especially within how we communicate like sometimes I always use the metaphor of like I need someone to move off of x when they're in status quo or mm-hmm. I'm picking the lock of their brain to kind of unlock it in such a way like that those are the ones that I are kind of my standby you know in class when I'm trying to explain persuasion in such a way what, what are, do you have a favorite kind of metaphor that kind of captures the art and the craft of communication and what you do
1: oh man. Yeah. That's a tough one. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't, I don't know.
0: We can um, come back to it. We can go back to it.
1: Yeah, maybe let me. I think what I will say without having a metaphor is just keeping things human is really like my approach to things. I think so often like leaders and businesses just want to sound really smart and like, people just see right through the BS. Like if you just talk like a normal human and you focus on that, like that's what I always try to bring up. Like how would you actually describe that without trying to sound smart?
0: Yeah. You have, I mean, you've been doing this for quite some time and I was wondering when you're watching, let's say a politician or you're watching someone give a speech in a movie like Game of Thrones or something like that, and you're really seeing someone trying to communicate, what do you look for when you're seeing it either in in, in fiction or watching it on uh, on television? How do you evaluate them?
1: Again, I think it's like the human authenticity piece, like hmm. Are they are they trying too hard is something that I always look for? Like, I, I think you could spot that right away. Like, are you like really trying to be too emotional? Are you trying to sound too smart? Are you trying to say too many metaphors? Are you trying to say too much corporate speak where like the message uh, gets, yeah, yeah. gets lost is like what I'm always looking for? Like, are you really saying what you're trying to say?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like one of those things, like, you know it when you see it, but it's not like there's an ex- exact rubric for it, you know, when you, when you right. see it, so, yeah. Like the,
1: there's the KISS method, which some people will say, is like, keep it simple, stupid. I know we shouldn't say stupid, but I honestly, like, mm. live by that, or, like, um, clarity is kindness, just, like, being very clear with things. Because people, especially now, there's a hundred things going through your mind every day. It's not just work. It's life. It's Mm. social media. It's, you know, reality TV. It's like all of the things. So I think if you could just be as, like, clear and brief and bright as you can be, then you're on a good path.
0: Do you have any, like, so for the student that might be considering a career like yours, is there like a, a, a an, an approachable and accessible book, or maybe someone or a newsletter, or maybe even like a podcast that you think, hey, you know, if you want to kind of get a sense of this, you should maybe start here?
1: So I love um Adam Grant.
0: Yeah. Um, the
1: Remaking podcast, because I think it in- incorporates like all the things that make up a great communications leader, especially now where there's so many different generations in the workforce. Like people are are in person, they're remote, they're not, we're learning this like new, new ways of working. And so his podcast to me just sort of includes everything. I mean, he has celebrities, he has organizational experts, he has athletes, um, but all with sort of this common thread of just like life and, and work. Um, So that is one that I definitely listen to. Um, there is a book. I'm gonna get the name wrong, but I think it's executive coaching with something in heart. So if you're looking for um, a way to sort of get into executive communications, but finding that that balance of like where you where you challenge and where you lead with kindness, I will get the name of it. Um, but that's another one. But Adam Grant, I think, has been like really helpful for me and just like very
0: interesting. Yeah. He, he, I had a, an idea uh, a couple years ago that I got from him that I, I use with my students at the beginning of the year, which is like, make your own user guide for you. Like what, yeah. this how I operate. This is, I'm, and I love it. It's such a great opener for the year. And I, I yeah, he's great. So cool.
1: Yeah, even just emotional intelligence too, is another one. There's tons of different books, but the more you can sort of like, understand yourself and your strengths and they will change throughout your career and, and they should I think at least gives you a good balance of like where you're starting and where where you want to be.
0: Oh, so so cool. Yeah he's he's great great recommendation. Yeah. So, Krista where do you where do you see yourself maybe in five ten years?
1: Oh man I mean I definitely see myself still in communications. I've sort of been on a path to To elevate myself and most recently took on a more expanded role where i'm getting into strategy and so now i'm I'm, i'm still calm but i am leaning into people strategy so just really coming up with with the chief people officer or the the chief hr officer it's called different names at different places but really being a part of that planning process and setting the objectives process which makes you just a stronger Communicator, um, I see myself like getting into more of that strategic side of how it all comes together, and then communicating it on the other side.
0: Uh, Krista, this has been super fun. I am scribbling down all these kind of different ideas uh, that uh, you have said, and I, I can't wait to edit this uh, as well. I, I, I like ending the interview with tips for success that you could give current Wildcats. What would you What would you tell them?
1: I would say. One tip is just, like, be open and don't compare yourself. I think in the very beginning of my career, I was comparing myself to to my peers and my friends of of where they were at. But I just needed to know, like, I have my own journey that will get me to where I want to be. I think they say, like, comparison is the thief of joy. And so certainly just be open to different experiences. Like, it doesn't have to be just an upward trajectory. There's a lot of different, like, sideways paths you can take to get to where you want to go. Um, I think that would be my number one tip. And second is like, talk to everybody, somebody that you work with, whether they're, you know, new in their career, or have been with the place for 30 years, just talking to people and understanding their path will bring so much insight and perspective. And you'll learn so much whether it has to do with your day to day or not. I have met the most interesting people just just by talking to them,
0: I I love all of that. And just to put an exclamation point on that last uh, thing that you said, there um, is how generous people are with their expertise or uh, knowledge. Uh, I'm always surprised of how generous people are with that. If if you just think to ask the question, so I, you you couldn't be any more correct on that. That's just so spot on. So. Well, Krissa, this was so great. And thank you so much uh, for your time today. Of course. This has been so fun. Thanks for listening. Do us a favor and spread the word about We Go Places by sharing our interviews with other Wildcats. If you want to search past episodes or stay current, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere where you can get your podcasts. Just search We Go Places. You can follow We Go Places on our Facebook page as well, and also Twitter at We Go Places Podcast. And if you know a former Wildcat who would be a great guest, send me a direct message on Facebook, Twitter, or by school email at bturnbow at d94.org.